Was Noah perfect? No, he wasn't. What's the first thing that Noah did after the ark settled? He built a, vine- a vineyard. What did he do with the, with the processes of that? Made wine. He got drunk. So drunk that he fell down naked in front of his family. Which is a no-no, according to the Bible. <laughs> Abraham is recognised as the father of faith. But Abraham had a big tro- he had a big problem. He lied to save his own skin. He did it twice with Sarah. Two rulers had a look at Sarah and thought, she'd make a good wife for me. So they went up to, went up to Abraham and said, who's this woman? It's my sister. Which in, a, in some way was true because they were related. But he didn't say, this is my wife. The rulers took Sarah, but before they could do anything, God intervened. So God had to pull Sarah out of the situation twice. And just to prove that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, Isaac did exactly the same thing when he was approached with Rebekah. He denied that they were married to save his own skin. Um, Who's ever heard of Rahab? Rahab was a prostitute in Jericho. So there's one strike against her. She's a prostitute. (laughs) Two, she's of the enemy camp. Three, she was a traitor. She turned traitor on her hometown by giving the spies shelter, by denying that they were there, by saying to them, remember me, remember my family, when it comes time. She acknowledged who God was. She acknowledged that God had given the land to Israel. She jumped ship. Who hasn't jumped ship somewhere? (laughs) Been going down one track, thought it was on the right track, and then suddenly realised, oh, I've done something wrong. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go this way. Look at Jonah. Jonah was called by God to be the very first cross-cultural missionary. He was called to go and to witness to the people of Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to. Jonah didn't like Nineveh. He didn't like the people, didn't like the city, didn't like anything about them. So what did he do? Turned around, (laughs) ran the opposite way. Even got on a boat to go to the other side, away from them. But guess what? God calls you. He's going to make a way for it to happen. He caused a storm. They threw everything overboard to try and lighten the load. The cargo that they were carrying, that that someone else owned, (laughs) they tossed that over. Nothing happened until Jonah said, okay, this is my fault. Throw me over, everything will be right. They threw him over, the storm stopped, a big fish came along, swallowed him, took him away for three days, back towards Nineveh. Spewed him up on the beach, which I'm sure by that time, three days in the belly of a whale, of a fish, 
you know, he had a bit of bleached particles on him from the stomach juices and all that sort of stuff. Wouldn't have been a pretty sight. But even though he wasn't a pretty sight, God still used him. Nineveh turned around and they, they repented. Did that please Jonah? No, he was disappointed. He sat and he watched because he wanted God to destroy them. God didn't destroy them. He was sitting in the heat of day. God caused a vine to grow over him. Before the vines finished growing, God caused it to die off. Who complained? Jonah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Joseph, who was used by God to save his people from a famine. You know his big problem? Couldn't keep his mouth shut. He used to love telling his brothers how great he was, that he was the most loved of his father's kids. That caused resentment in amongst his brothers to the point where they were going to kill him. But they didn't. They sold him off into slavery. God used that situation to many years down the track to save them from the famine. Brought them to Egypt. Eventually, they ended up in slavery. Who came along? Moses. Was Moses perfect? No, Moses had a stutter. Couldn't talk to save himself. You know what else was wrong with Moses? Yep, anger. In one bout of anger, he murdered an Egyptian because the Egyptian was beating upon a Jew. It goes on and on and on, all through the, all through the Bible. Samson, if he only did what God wanted him to do, just imagine what, if, what he could have done. He was called as a judge to the people of Israel. He, he consorted with the enemy. He gave, away, he gave away secrets. Went pressed. Told him how his strength came from his hair. They cut his hair. He lost his strength. They poked his eyes out. It's the only recorded incident where a haircut has caused a man to go blind. <laughs> you will never find that anywhere else in the world. <laughs> Secular or... Christian <laughs> he's David was great he knows that David was a womanizer he also committed murder not him directly but he had someone murdered because they wouldn't play to his game even God said this is a man after my own heart who will do what I want but he's still stuffed up because he was imperfect. Solomon started out well, didn't he? When asked what he wanted from God, he said wisdom. Guess what? He's recognised as one of the wisest people in the world. But that only lasted so long. He then married 
700 women had recorded in the Bible 300 concubines. That's a thousand women. What's the bet it didn't stop there? A lot of these were politically motivated because in those days if you married, a fa if you married someone from another tribe, that tribe became part of you. You became part of that tribe. So it was all to do with territory and power. You know the worst, the most unwise thing about that? 1,000 mother-in-laws. <laughs> I'm lucky, I'm lucky. I have one wife. I don't have a mother-in-law because unfortunately she didn't make it to this stage. But if I did have we would probably argue on occasion <laughs> because that's who I am. <laughs> I can't say that's who she is because I don't know her. Doesn't sound like God used well-adjusted people in the Old Testament, does it? Surely, when Jesus came in the New Testament, those that he used were better because they had the Son of God with them. <laughs> his closest disciple or the, clo the di disciple that's recognised as being closest to him is Peter Peter would have been an Aussie if, the th if they were international mainly because he had the habit of speaking first and thinking later Peter would say whatever came to mind. He came up to Jesus and Jesus asked the question, who do they say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of God. You are the one that we have been waiting for. That's what he did a couple of seconds later. When Jesus said, I'm going to die. Peter said, no, you're not. We'll stop it. Jesus turned around to him and said, depart from me, Satan. I wasn't talking to Peter personally. He was talking to the temptation that was there. Peter denied Jesus three times. At his trial, here is the person that said, I love you, Lord. I would go wherever you go. I will do whatever you want me to do. Jesus called him forth, he walked on water. Peter walked on water until he saw the waves. Then he started to sink. He had to be rescued. Peter, as I said, he would have been an Aussie. He had a real roller coaster mentality. He was up, down, up, down, up, down. He did a few loops. But after Jesus was crucified, had been crucified and resurrected there was a change that came upon him he was used mightily by God okay there's a joke going on over here <laughs> James and John 
sat there and asked Jesus if, they, if one could sit on the right, one could sit on his left when he came into his kingdom. This is exactly straight after Jesus said, I'm going to suffer horribly and I'm going to die. Talk about sensitivity. <laughs> Doesn't quite work somehow. Judas betrayed Christ. Another one who was close to him. The 11 that were left in the garden couldn't stay awake while Jesus was praying. In his hour of need, they fell asleep on him. Would we do the same? Probably. Most people after a good meal, they do fall asleep. <laughs> Particularly on Christmas Day, <laughs> for instance. Those after he was arrested, what did the rest of them do? Most of them ran and hid. They didn't come back until after the crucifixion. And that's when they heard about the resurrection. Paul, who wrote a great part of the New Testament, with most of the letters in there, recognised as the apostle to the Gentiles. That's what Paul did. Stood around holding the coats of people that were stoning a Christian, approving of it. Even went to the, to the rulers and said, give me letters, give me permission to go around and arrest these Christians to bring them back to trial so that we can kill them. He wanted to kill off Christianity. Guess what? He got touched. He got changed. Every person that had a hand in writing the scriptures was imperfect. God can only use imperfect people because that is what we are. We are imperfect. Romans 3.11 tells us there, there's no one righteous, not even one. If we can't be righteous, what's the good of us? Some people may think, what right do I have to be up here preaching? I don't have a right to be up here preaching because being up here is not a right. I don't deserve it. But I am here under the grace of God. I am here because I am willing to let God use me, which is exactly the same thing that happened with everyone in the Bible that God used. They were willing to be used. All it takes for God to use you is for you to be willing. He could turn around and turn you into the next Smith Wigglesworth. Simple as that. If you're willing to be used, God will use you. You never know what 
God is going to have you doing. The very first time I preached 30-odd years ago was when I was in YWAM. When I, before then, uh, I used to get up and I'd talk and all that sort of stuff, but it'd only be for a couple of minutes, five minutes at the most. Wouldn't have to, you know, prepare anything or anything like that. But then I was asked to preach at a church. I was asked to preach on the love of God. I thought, oh, if I'm going to have to preach, I'm going to have to do some study. So I studied, wrote out the sermon and all that sort of stuff, got up, buggered it up totally. <laughs> Nothing I said made sense to anyone. Didn't even make sense to me. <laughs> but God used it. Because at the end of the service, I went off and I grabbed a glass of water. For those that don't know, I don't drink coffee, so I didn't have that. I don't drink tea, so I didn't have that. I had a glass of water. Drank it, finished it, went to put the glass down and disappear. As I put the glass down on the bench, there was a little old lady in the kitchen. She would have been in her 80s. She was there alone. She was doing the washing up. That's what God said. Grab a tea towel, give her a hand. So I grabbed a tea towel, started wiping things up. Had a lot of people come up to me afterwards, say what you sent meant nothing. But what spoke was that you went in, a visiting person, you went in, you grabbed a tea towel and you gave this old lady a hand. That's what changed hearts. Hopefully, things have changed since then. <laughs> Hopefully, people are retaining a bit. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't have to go out and do the washing up. <laughs> but, again, you've just got to be willing. That's all God asks. He's not wanting someone, he's not wanting to wait for us to become perfect because that'll never happen. We won't be perfect until the day we die. Till the day that we stand before God and he gives us a new life, a new body. So he's got to use imperfect people up until then. Who wants to be an imperfectly used person? I put up both hands, but I'm holding the microphone in one of them. <laughs> All you've got to do is just publicly or by yourself go up to God and say, I'm willing. I want to be used. Use me. Don't tell God how he's to use you. He'll work that out for himself. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you. Did you hear the S at the end of plans? You know why there's an S at the end of plans? Because yes, he has more than one plan for us.
because God knows that at some place down the line, we are going to take a great big mouthful of stupid. And it's going to be more than we can chew on. <laughs> Trust me, been there, done that. <laughs> still been there, still do that. <laughs> but if you're willing, God will choose. Doesn't matter how old you are. Moses was 80 when God called him to go, to go back to Egypt to rescue his people. Abraham was 100 when God said, now's the time for the promise. Abraham tried to circumvent it. So did Sarah with, along with him. They tried to force God's hand. Didn't work. All that did was it created another race that would, put, that would eventually arc up against Israel and cause them trouble. God has his plans. Allow him to run them. Because his plans are so much better than ours. He looks at you with love and thinks, just imagine what I could do if they're willing. Don't worry, you're going to stuff up. It happens to all of us. A friend of mine once told me, you can never, ever do anything to disillusion God. Because God has no illusions about you in the first place. He knows exactly what you're capable of. He knows exactly what you can do. But he still chooses to use you, if you're willing. Thanks, Don. <clears throat> I said he's a good preacher. <clears throat> but it's true, you know, God can use anyone. And often he'll only give us the first step. You know, some of us, some of us want the whole plan, you know. We want to know where the shortcuts are. But that's often not how God works. He'll just give us the first step. And um, it's so true, you know. Imperfect people are the only ones God is able to work with. And of course we're all in that camp. You know, none of us are any better than the other person. But we have a, a wonderful God, don't we? We have a wonderful God who can take that imperfection and he can work it. He can put it on the put it on the potter's wheel and he can make something wonderful out of each one of us. But of course we have to believe that as well. You know, we have to believe that God can do that. And I think often for a lot of us, you know, we get into unbelief. And we think, oh, God can't use me. I'm no good. You know, I've mucked up. I've mucked up before. I'm going to muck up again. But it's our faith in God. It's our trust in God. 
It's our belief in God that God can make something of each one of us. We have to believe that and we have to keep praying. So uh, thanks, Don, for uh, letting us know we're all imperfect. <laughs> I think we already knew that, but it's, it's good to, to recognise that so we can go to God and say, Lord, help me. We all need help, don't we? Because we're imperfect, we've got to go to God and say, God, help, I can't do this on my own. So, Father, we do pray, Lord, help each one of us. Lord, as we, we go out from here, as we, as we embark on the rest of our lives, Lord, you want to use us because your word says you want to use us. And we pray that uh, we will be willing vessels in your hand. Lord, we'll be willing to be on that potter's wheel. Lord, to be moulded and, and made and in some cases remade and remoulded. Um, Lord, help us to be patient as you work, as you work and remould and renew um, each one of us. Lord, continue to make us fit for your kingdom, uh, to be people who will um, bring your kingdom to bear here on this earth. Help us to be uh, witnesses, to be disciples who will make disciples. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for every remembrance of you. Lord, we need to be reminded every day that you are God. You are still there. You're on the throne. And um, you're not going anywhere. And, uh, Lord, you are our rock. And so, Father, we, we thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen.